This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 26th, 2017. Priceless Generosity. Generosity. Priceless generosity. That's what Forrest Gump was expressing there in that film clip, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we close out this series called Priceless. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones, and a little quip, uh, we got junior high uh, right after church uh, fellowship and senior high this evening from 6 till 8. Yeah. Just had to get that in there. Yeah. (laughs) And we just learned that Remington, oh, Christian, I'm sorry, Remington Church, okay, Christian, is going into the service, and so we want to pray over you, okay? Can you come up this way? Can you, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit, of course. Tell everybody what you're doing. Um, I'm going in for nuclear engineering. Um, so I, uh, I'm going out to, uh, shipping out to Great Lakes in the uh, Chicago area this Wednesday, actually, for uh, boot camp. And then after about two months of that, I go to Charleston, South Carolina for uh, tech school for nuclear engineering. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> So, did you just, when did you graduate from high school? Uh, this past year, 2017. This 2017, yeah. okay. Was this always your life kind of goal? No, actually, I, uh, I just decided this last year. <laughs> well, thank you for serving our country Amen. and what's ahead of you. So, we want to pray for him, okay? All right, stretch your hands out. This is a day of prayer. God, we lift Christian up to you. We thank you for him. We thank you for the call that you put on his life. We pray a covering over him that um, he would be strong and courageous and that um, those times when it feels like uh, he can't do another minute or five minutes that you would just pour out your strength in and through him, Lord. Thank you um, for... Uh, everything that you've given him, the gifts, um, faith, help him draw close to you, closer to you through this process. Please be with his parents. It's a tough thing for parents to let their son, sons and daughters go. And so we look forward to his return um, and to hear good news. And um, as we watch Christian kind of walk this out um, in his call, Lord, we thank you for his heart, and we lift him up to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray this. Everybody agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Congratulations. So we're two sinners. We've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And... um, for all the good things that are going on around here and for people, uh, young people like Christian who are taking a very courageous step um, in their lives, we give this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're talking about a, a story found in the Bible. It's First Kings. Kings is in the Old Testament. And we're specifically looking at chapter 17. In chapter 17, we're introduced to a prophet and miracle worker. Now, a prophet is someone who is called by God to be God's mouthpiece. 
And when God tells you to say something, sometimes it's not very popular. We have prophets in the scripture, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and things that they say kind of were, you know, stepped on people's toes. But this uh, guy named Elijah, he was in the prophet training program. And God told him to go to the Kerith Ravine where Elijah would survive on water from the brook and from uh, bread and meat brought to him each morning and evening by a bird, a raven, in fact. And Elijah faithfully followed the Lord's instructions. Now, when the brook dries up sometime later and there's no sign of rain, God tells Elijah to go and stay in the town of Zarephath, where God has instructed a widow there to supply him with food. And Elijah complies. At the town gate, he does come upon a widow, in fact, who is gathering sticks, and he asks her to bring him a little water and a, and a piece of bread. What, what Elijah doesn't realize, but is quickly told by this widow, is that she doesn't have any bread. In fact, all she has is a mere handful of flour and a tiny bit of oil in a jug. She's gathering these sticks to take home for the fire that will bake the final loaf of bread for herself and her son, final loaf before she and her son die of starvation. So Elijah tells this widow to not be afraid and to follow her plan, but first of all, uh, bake him a small cake of bread from what she has, bring it to him, and then make something for herself and for her son. And then he shares this. He says, for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so this woman is at a crossroads. She's at a decision point, a, a, a fulcrum, if you will. She can trust the words of the prophet Elijah, who, by the way, she's never met before in her life. The words he tells her are coming from God. And she can take her last flour and oil and make a cake for him, or she can take care of herself and her son, as was her original plan, and ignore what she's being told. As Bill Hybels, founder of past, founding pastor of Willow Creek Church in Chicago, shares in his message, Greater Generosity, a message that inspired what we're sharing with you this morning, as Hybels shares in that message, every time we're moved to the possibility of generosity. I love that phrasing. Think about that. We're moved to the possibility of generosity. That, that, that offer that it could be, depending on what we choose, that possibility, let's say, of priceless generosity. Every time we're moved to that point, we stand in this woman's shoes. We have the choice of going with that compassionate side of our brain, that feeling side, that faithfully following God, that caring for those in need side of our brain, or we can focus on the other side, the, the logical side, the skeptical side, the, the side that says, what if I give as I'm told and God doesn't have my back in this? What if nobody notices? What if I give it all and I'm hung out to dry, left Oh, with nothing to live on, left to survive on my own, all by myself. 
as Heibel shares, how we grapple with this resupply promise of God will determine our generosity in the future. Say that with me, will you? How, how we, we grapple with this resupply promise of God will determine our generosity in the future. So we've been there many times, and we know that many of you have, we, uh, have experienced that as well. You know, those times of we um, feel what God's calling us to and then what makes logical sense or what we're comfortable in doing. Several years ago, we went to this leadership summit uh, and um, this Willow Creek thing, and at the end of the summit, it's their tradition to lift up those countries who don't have access to the technology that we have so that they can take the summit to those third world countries. And, you know, we're all in with that because we wanted Pastor Koshi to experience the summit. And so they asked us to pray about um, giving, and they said it was about $100 a person. It's like, okay, well, you know, we can do $100. I can do $100. And it's like, well, wait a second, that's two of us. And so now that's $200. And gosh, God, you know, what do you want us to give? Uh, Be careful with that question. And we both heard $500. And it's like, $500? Well, we've done, we know the promises of God enough that when it's, we're both getting numbers like that, it's like, ouch, really? Ugh, I feel like I'm going to get sick. So I whip out the checkbook, hurry up and write it and throw it. And like, it's like, okay, okay. I mean, has anybody ever had to do that before? And let me tell you something. Quite honestly, when God tells you to do things like that, you don't even miss it, really, because like the next day I'm thinking, uh-oh, are we going to go under? I mean, it's that close sometimes. Are we going to go on? No, there was plenty there. We did not miss a meal, and God resupplied the money to us, in fact, in very creative ways. <laughs> but that's our challenge, isn't it? As not just our challenge, but our challenge collectively here, do do we believe in the resupply promise of God? The promise that Elijah made to this woman, the experience that we've had, such as Carrie just outlined. Now, sometimes we put it this way. Have you ever heard the expression, you can't outgive God? Anybody heard that? That's basically what we're saying. You can't outgive God. The question is, though, you know, in church we have these little axioms that we throw out. They're little, these little sayings that we just roll off the lift. You can't outgive God. But do we really believe that, or is that just a cute little thing that we like to say in church world? Or do we really believe it? And if we do, if we really believe it, how do we live that out? What's that look like day to day other than cute little things coming out of our mouths, uh, you know, in conversation? When we do believe in God's resupply promise, we will be more generous than we are now. That's, that's for sure. That's, that's happened to us and it'll happen to you. Generosity, you give a little bit. Resupply, more generous. <laughs> kind of gets this thing like rolling like crazy. Yeah. So back to our story found in 1 Kings 17. God offers the widow to take a step of faith, of generosity through the prophet Elijah. And she does. She does it. It's like, wow. 
She does exactly what Elijah tells her to do. She doesn't even know him, and she does it. And um, she bakes the bread for him with her last flour. She went away and did as he told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry. And here's the thing about this scripture. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Because the word of the Lord is truth. And so she experienced that in keeping with the word of the Lord. There's lots of stories of generous generosity in Scripture. And Paul actually talks about this in his letter to the church at Philippi. That's in the second half of the Bible. And he writes this, Philippians 4. It's the, um, it's the message version. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. Yeah. Hmm. So check this out. This is a little um, uh, diagram that uh, Hybels offers in his message, Greater Generosity. He talks about two guys. Um, you see okay? Two guys named uh, Fred and Ted. I think he made the names up, but we'll just call them Fred and Ted. Now, Fred, he's looking at getting financially from A to B, and we're all kind of concerned with that, right? Whatever A and whatever B is, we have this uh, plan maybe or at least an idea of how to get from A to B. And, 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 and he's been in conversation with God, and, and he, he shared with God that, He's going to take 100% of what God has shared with him to get from A to B. It's going to take it all. He's very appreciative of it, but he's made it very clear, God, that it's going to take every little bit that you've given me for me to get financially from A to B. Now, Ted, on the other hand, also wants to get financially from A to B, but he's been talking to God and maybe some other people. Maybe he's read a little scripture, and he's come to the conclusion that he can get from A to B on 90% of what God has shared with him, and that he can give back to God the other 10%. And, and actually, in conversation with God, God, God shared with Ted that, Ted, if you, in fact, are willing to go A to B on the 90, I'm going to take you not just to B, I'm going to take you all the way to a supernatural C. Now, C you can only get to by stepping out in faith, by trusting God, by saying yes to those possibilities of priceless generosity. That, that's the only way we get to experience that supernatural see. What's interesting, and uh, uh, the question that comes then from this, and Kerry doesn't like the wording of this, but this is what Heibel shared, and I'll just be as blunt as he is because I tend to be that way sometimes. He says, Fred and Ted each think that the other is an idiot. <laughs> he thinks Ted is crazy to only live on 90%, and Ted thinks Fred is crazy to just, uh, with the 100, not considering what God maybe had shared with him in Scripture. And so the question then for you today is this. What kind of idiot do you want to be? Do you, do you want to be the A to B 100% idiot? 
Or would you like to be the 90-10 with that supernatural sea that God offers on the horizon? It's your choice. It's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with us. It's between you and God. I encourage you to have that conversation and talk to God about what you'd like to do in the case of uh, priceless generosity. Give it some thought. So that was a pretty interesting conversation that uh, God had with Fred and with Tad and their response. <laughs> God actually did have a conversation with someone here in this congregation, uh, and he's allowed us to share his testimony with you today. It's um, Dave Meriton, and... Um, so take a look and see the conversations that Dave has had with God. I began coming to Connection Church about three years ago. I began my walk with Jesus and a new relationship with God. But I think God's plan for me started about three and a half years before that. Um, I had filed a claim for Social Security benefits and it took about, I don't know, six or seven months to finally get that first decline. Uh, over the next couple years, had a couple of appeals that were both declined again. And it was about that time when I began coming to Connection Church. And so I, I quickly learned that I could be at peace with the decision if I gave it up to God. And, put it in his hands and it, it really did give me some peace and it came time for a final appeal uh, before a judge and as it turned out she ruled in my favor and you know I would have been at peace either way but since she ruled in my favor I conveniently pushed God's will and his plan for me to the side and I began making plans for my money, for me. And days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months. And before I knew it, it got to the end of the year and I still hadn't received anything. Well, beginning of this year, the Rise and Thrive campaign began. At that time, God literally put himself on me put it on my heart that I should give half of my money to Connection Church. And I basically said, well, I hadn't received anything, so I don't have anything to give. And so over the next couple months, God kept working on me, working on me, and I kept compromising. You know, well, maybe I can give a little bit, and my plan would still be in effect. All the while, God was putting on my heart, you have to give half. And so two and a half months went by. It was winding down to the end of the campaign. And I still hadn't received anything, but I, I started to think that maybe I should just follow what he's saying. And it was the last week of the campaign. And I still hadn't received anything, but I finally said yes. And I will allow your will to work in my life and I will obey your command, and I will give half. 
Uh, the next morning, uh, my wife, Sharon, came in to me all excited, and she had a message on her phone from the bank that said the money was there. And so I said, but wait, I want you to know I have actually been struggling with this the last couple months, and I hadn't told you. And God wanted me to give half of this money to Connection Church. So she laughed because she said, I thought you were gonna give it all. So I went that morning to the bank and arranged for the funds to go to Connection Church. And I gave half. And I was at peace with that. Uh, this was one of the most gratifying experiences of my life because I had never honored God in that way. And it was, it was very important that I did that. Mm. Wow. So I know that's kind of awkward for you guys. And we did not know for a long time, for months. And um, the thing to the point that we want to make is that even though it was an incredible gift, it's not the size of the gift that is the focus. What's the focus is the fact that they were obedient to God. They were um, followed God's um, command. You heard him say that. I just said, okay, I'm going to do this, what God wants. And that's, what, that's all God wants from us or obedience, a response of obedience in whatever God tells us and lays on our heart to do. In the book of Luke, third, chap uh, third book of the New Testament, in the 21st chapter, Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. Check out what happened. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put into very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, I'm sorry, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. And so you might be familiar with this story. It's also known as the widow's mite. mite. Now, a mite is the smallest of the bronze coins in Jewish currency. And this is a story that reminds us that it's not the, the size of the gift that matters to God, but the size of one's heart. How sold out, how bought out, how all out, how all in we are when it comes to things of God and God's kingdom. We're reminded of the, widows, uh, the widow in Jesus' day. She was in such a precarious position. Being a widow was not... Um, a place of status, but it was really, really way, way low down. I mean, it was, she was no longer um, being provided for by a husband, living on the edge, probably paycheck to paycheck, barely scraping by every day of her life. And there she was giving her last two cents to the Lord. Now, for that widow, that giving was more than a millionaire giving hundreds of thousands of dollars because. It wasn't the size of the gift, but the size of the heart behind the gift. When we were in seminary, one of the requirements for us was to spend time in a 
culture other than the one that we were familiar with. And so we had a great opportunity to take a couple of weeks to visit Korea as we had a vice president there from Korea who'd set this trip up that was, oh my gosh, it was basically the cost of the airfare. The Kwanglim Church in Korea, at the time the largest Methodist church in the world, 75,000 members, they basically put us up when we were in Korea, took care of us, fed us, and everything like that. So part of our um, visit involved walking or going out with some pastors and doing home visits or visits in their places of work. Once a year, the members got a visit from a pastor. And so um, one of the days we went to someone's home and they put this fruit in front of us. Now we look at that and it really doesn't look like a big deal. But we learned when we left that this particular family used most of their week's savings just to put a special gift on the table for their pastor and their visitors from, from the U.S. And we experienced the same thing when we went to India and we went into people's homes and had Bible studies. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So in this case, it wasn't the fruit that kind of bowled us over or even the cost. It was the sacrifice that they made. It was the size of their heart, the depth of their love for God as this family offered us radical hospitality offered us their very best, priceless generosity, just like the widows might. Mm. It's not so much the gift, but the heart of the giver. It's not so much the amount it costs to purchase, but the amount of love that the gift expresses. Um, many years ago, I realized last minute that I'd failed slash forgotten to get Carrie a birthday gift. I I realized it because it was her birthday, and I had no gift to give her. I mean, it's kind of a duh moment, and so I did what any red-blooded American husband would do. I got on the phone, and I called the flower shop, and I had them deliver, I don't remember what it was now. Probably sure, roses. Sure, it was gorgeous, but hopefully not too cheap, but um, uh, to try to uh, cover my uh, poor planning. Well... I, I, I overheard, I think she was telling a friend later that day or maybe the next day that, uh, about this gift and how she really didn't appreciate it very much because all I was trying, you know, anybody can do that. That really didn't mean anything at all. And I thought, wow, wow, that would be the last time I sent you flowers. And it was, it it was. was the last time for a, for a really time. long time. But the truth of the matter was Carrie was exactly right. Because I hadn't given that gift from the heart. It was a last-ditch effort to try to cover poor planning on my part. It, it wasn't a heart gift at all, like one she gave me years later when um, unexpectedly she gave me this digital camera that was totally out of our gift-giving price range, and it was completely unexpected. She gave it as a result of watching me one day when we were down the Outer Banks with our uh, extended family, and I was messing around with my sister-in-law's digital camera and just shooting pictures all day and just having a blast because this whole digital photography thing was new to me and it was just incredible. She saw that and in response gave a gift from a heart, not a last-minute cover, trying to pretend like she thought something in advance. She, she did, it, did it properly, you know? See, your gifts, they reveal the condition of your heart, don't they? 
the gifts we give. God showed us the condition of his heart by the great gift he gave us, his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest gift ever. You know, the gift that dying on a cross that allows us salvation, allows us to, to live through eternity. I mean, phew, what a gift and the uh, greatest gift ever given. And we can't pay back that gift, can we? No, that would be crazy to even think so. You know, we can't earn that gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. So what we do isn't trying to buy it back. It's not trying to... It, what we do in response is simply a thank you, isn't it? It's in our little meager ways when we give back to God, just our meager thank yous for saying, wow, thank you. I can't believe the, the incredible gift that you've given me. Um, we do that with our gifts to God. You know, we see the condition of somebody else's heart by the gift they give. We've seen the condition of God's heart by the magnificent gift that he's given. God gets to see the condition of our heart by the gifts that we give back to God. Amen? Amen. So there's three things that, um, three main points that we'd like you to take away today from what we've said. The first is, I can't say this one, Alan. You go for it. All right. First one is, so what kind of an idiot do you want to be? The, the 100% A to B or the 90-10? Let's go all the way to a supernatural C. What kind do you want to be? All right. Go so the now. second one is, it's not the size of the gift, but the size of the heart that matters. And then number three, the true condition of the heart is revealed when we give. So we're not just talking about financial giving. We're talking about being generous with our gifts of time and talent, spiritual gifts, all kinds of things. You know, how we operate in our homes and, and workplace and with our friends and, and at church as well. So it's just having a generous spirit. And this message is not, to, not meant at all to say, come on, Connection Church. In fact, we want to say, thank you. We believe that the DNA of this place is one of generosity. We've seen it all fall. My goodness, how many shoeboxes went out of here? Over a thousand just from what you put together. Thank you, thank you. How about the brownie mixes that we collected a couple months ago? We got more than we asked for. Anytime we ask for food in the food uh, ministry, next thing you know, there's people bringing in soup and peanut butter and all kinds of stuff. Thank you, thank you. We had a mitten tree. It was full of little mittens for five or six families. They're gone. We're going to add more so everybody has a chance to do it. But they're gone. You have a generous spirit. It is so humbling to be a part of this church and so we just want to say thank you. And this message is meant to encourage you to keep on because that's what God wants from us, to have a generous spirit. We've been focusing on Thanksgiving and, oh, my goodness, thank you, God, for all the blessings. But that needs to be an attitude all year, 365. So that's what, that's what this message was meant to bring. And we hope that you believe the promises of God, the resupply, because... It really is the truth. We can't outgive God. That's the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the many blessings that you share with us. And 
forgive me, Lord, those times when I feel like they're mine, it's my paycheck and my house and my family, and God, it's yours. Help me just be good stewards, a good steward of what you give. And, and I place my family, everything I have in your hands. Help each one of us do that and trust you in this whole resupply uh, notion. God, thank you so much for giving us the greatest gift, your son, Jesus Christ, who goes before, behind, and all around us who lights the way and orders our steps, who carries us and covers us. And so we just humbly thank you and praise your holy name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people with Jesus.